This is a new dimension in sound. The sound here has been recorded on the tape magnetically. This is us. We're back. Oh my god. Oh my god, Dave. <laughs> Dave. 2020 is looking pretty damn good, particularly throughout April. Under the Southern Stars you need to check out that website. Some of the best all-time rock bands are coming to Australia. So many dates, so many venues. Bush, Stone Temple Pilots, Electric Mary, Rose Tattoo, and more to be announced. This is going to be one hell of a rock and roll carnival extravaganza. And I caught up with Gavin Rossdale of Bush to talk about this tour, his relationship with David Bowie, his marriage breakdown, and everything else in between. We're very excited. It's been seven years since you were in our country, and it's been probably a good nine or ten since we last spoke. It's uh, good to know you'll be back in the country for Under the Southern Stars 2020. Yeah, yeah. um, I had such a good time with Soundwave, and I was trying to come back ever since. But uh, I think it's quite hard to get down there, apparently. So uh, we, we do the best we can. We come... We come as often as we can. But we're really looking forward to it. We're trying to make up for lost ground, you know what I mean? Well, it is fantastic. You're heading to uh, a lot of regional areas that you might not have seen before as well. So it's great that uh, Under the Southern Stars is coming. Bush, Live, Stone Temple Pilots and more to be announced. And you've done some touring with Live as well. And I recently watched uh, an interview where you interviewed Ed and then reverse. You guys seem to have a, a pretty great rapport. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a, you know, he's a good one. So uh, we had a bit of a laugh while I'm on tour with him now. All things are good, you know. I'm, I'm very excited to come down there. It'd be nice and hot, right? Might be. A, might, I'd love to get down to the Gold Coast. Are we playing on the Gold Coast? About about thirty <laughs> minutes drive or so from the Gold Coast, but I believe you are playing in the beautiful Sunshine Coast as well, which is um, you know much the same. Great, I wait. Getting ready to put out the the eighth record really soon, mate. So do you still get the butterflies in the stomach waiting for people to to hear a new release? Does it get easier as an artist over time? Um, it's exciting, you know. You put a lot of work into them and you just you know, want people to, in the face of uh, people caring less and less about albums, it's more important to make, if you're going to make one, make a great one. So just really excited to get out there and uh, have all this new music. And, I mean, I, I'm, I always apologise to, you know, any fans out there. Like, it takes so long, but it's, it's, it's madness to come down there. Honestly, after Soundwave, I was like, that's it. Look at those sideshows. We are rock and rolling. We're coming back. In the next two months, we're going to be back. It's like seven years later. <laughs> Literally seven years. Jesus Christ. Anyway, so what can you do? But um, we we plan to uh, come down there and, and uh, just just have a, an amazing time and just play hard. And, uh, you know, Australia is such a great tradition of live bands that you've got to be on your game. And uh, we will be, and I'm um, feeling really good. And uh, yeah, the new record's exciting. Under the southernstars.com.au. Will that record be ready by the time you hit the shores next year? Is there a firm release date for the new record? Well, I thought there was, and they keep moving it. But I think definitely by the time we come down in what, February, right? April, I believe. <laughs> there you go. I know everything. <laughs> I know nothing. Um, so, oh, Hundred percent. Oh yeah, yeah. The record will be like it'll be old news by then. <laughs> Let's hope not. Let's hope not. No, it would be. It would have been out a couple of months. So that is better for us because it gives us a chance to, um, to play more off of the new record when people know it a bit. You know, you don't want to be like that annoying. Like, here's a new track, and it's like, oh Jesus, get me a beer. <laughs> I read that it's uh, planned to be a much heavier record. Is that the case? Yeah, it's all. It's all pretty much based upon the fact that our lives are dependent on playing live and lots of big um, shows. And uh, so we don't need any more, any mid-tempo ballads, you know? <laughs> We've got to, like, come out and, like, 
come out and like you know mean business you know you know give the uh you know it's a lot of energy and a lot of power and uh unleash it with some nice detuned music and uh yeah i'm excited to play loads of the songs off that record obviously it's been a incredibly tumultuous few years for you the breakdown of your long-time marriage with gwen stefani it's been incredibly well publicized does Going through such a personal upheaval in your own personal life as an artist, does it contribute to the whole process? Does it make you want to write music more? Uh, I think that I'm just like everyone else, except my life gets illuminated. <laughs> um, um, but, uh, you know, I, the funny thing is, is, obviously, having got divorced, I didn't realize that I would be um, back to feeling like Vincent van Gogh, you know, like, you know, really super on the edge. At one point, I was like, I was married with three kids, and it was like, okay, here comes the kind of the belly songs, and it's like, no, 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 we're out on a limb, we're out in the rain, we're sort of, you know, screaming at the moon in, uh, you know, drenched in tequila. It's, it's great, you know, like, it's very alive artistically. So unexpected, and um, that's what's beautiful about life. And the best thing about my life is that I can turn the worst miseries into uh, my work. So... I can, um, you know, just use it as fuel for the fire. What's more in sense? Is it playing a show to 50,000 people or is it school pick-up as a single dad? Definitely the shows, mate. <laughs> you know, I mean, school pick-ups school pick is necessary because you don't want to leave your kids at school. But And I do love doing it, don't get me wrong. You know, but uh, 50,000 people, you know, they can't, you, can't, you can't beat that with a school run. Uh, so I'll have to choose a school run. But I would say that... Um, I just had my boys out on the road, and unfortunately, they won't be coming to Australia, but I love having them out on the road and uh, them experiencing this life and, you know, late-night cheeseburgers and, and um, you know, uh, a, lot of, a lot of good bonding time and uh, late, lazy mornings. You know, we've just been through all that. Now the poor guys have gone back to school, you know what I mean? <laughs> now, well, that's not much of a laugh, is it? You know, it's much better when they're, much better when they're on the road. They had a much better time. Absolutely. Irrespective of uh, being a father or getting older, I saw some footage of a live show you played recently. You're still pretty fit, mate, and you're barely ageing. Are you Are you Dorian Gray? Is there a portrait in the attic that, you, that you're hiding away from people? <laughs> well, look, I'll tell you, you know, when I was young and uh, when, I, when I couldn't get into the pubs around my neighbourhood and, and it was always really embarrassing with all the kind of nice girls in my area, I always thought one day this will pay off. And it's began, beginning to pay off now. <laughs> I finally got my own back on those, like, dozy doormen who wouldn't let me in. Maybe look sad in front of these very nice girls that I grew up with. Um, so, I don't know. It's just how it is. I mean, I'm, I, I really love being active. And, uh, yeah, it's a really physical show. I've got to start rethinking it because I'm sure I can't, I can't obviously go on forever like that. But for now, it's really... Um, it's just really powerful doing that. And I just, I don't know. I've done everything wrong, the wrong way around. You know, um, where I come from, you're not really meant to be in a band. Uh, when you're in a band, you're not really meant to be successful. When you're in a band you're in England, you're not meant to be successful in America. You know, I've done everything the wrong way around. So I just like, I'm consistently confounding what I'm meant to be doing. And I'm fine with that. At this point in my life, you know, being alive and uh, being full of energy and fizz is uh, more than enough for me. I I love it. Well, we're glad to hear that you're in a happy and healthy place. We're looking forward to this tour next year under the southernstars.com.au. Now, it's been an incredible life that you've had. You've achieved so much. And one thing that popped up when I was getting ready to chat to you is your relationship with David Bowie. Now, 
when Bowie passed, it affected me dramatically and I'd never met the man. How was it for you having a relationship with Bowie? Was it as tough for you as it was everyone else more so? Well, the worst part about that one is really is that I owed him an email. And, you know, the thing is getting a, getting a note from him was always such a thrill that um, I kind of savoured the, the response and I wanted to think about it and it was a bit measured, you know, I wanted to measure it kind of thing. And then, then he just, he died. And so there's that little sense of like that, that last regret of not having a like, last few exchanges with him. But I was really lucky. I mean, I must be amongst um, a large group of people. I wouldn't say that I was like a desperately close friend of his, but I just felt really, um, you know, it was always really good to hear from him. And I loved getting a different piece of advice and different conversations with him, different dinners and just talking with him. And just, I don't know, I really, like everyone, you know what I mean? So it was, it was David Bowie. So I was like, I was into him um, as a, a musically and then he didn't disappoint when, when I got to know him socially. And, uh, yeah, he's great miss. And that last record, you know, Black Star, I, I still listen to it a, a real lot. It's really an incredible record. So, great man, really. Sensational release and uh, incredibly fortunate to, to have known the great man, however limited that relationship may have been. Whilst we're being a little bit nostalgic, I'd love to ask you, do you remember the, the first record you ever got as a music fan? What was it? Do you still own it by any chance? Well, I was really lucky, uh, much like that Malcolm Gladwell book, Outliers, where it talks about um, all the different components that go make someone uh, find their path in life. You know, and I grew up um, down the road from a record store. Wow. So that really was really weird because it's like I didn't have any music in my family. You know, no one was really playing much music. I think you know, my dad had like Roberta Flack, Queen, and um, I don't know. You know, not sure. And so there was a bit of that around, a bit of melody, a bit of rock, but not really m m my mum was playing it. And then um, and then my aunt lived with us, with us, and she introduced me to, in fact, to Bowie, gave me uh, uh, Ziggy Stardust as the first record. And I kind of fell in love with that. And everyone that I was growing up with, you know, it was like they were, he was too weird for them. So uh, it was almost like this kind of secret musical love, you know, and then punk broke. And uh, it's just like a perfect time. And um, I was really on that wave of, of, uh, of like rebellion and, you know, youth movements and just sort of kill the old, you know, which would be me, of course, by now. And um, and uh, it just was a really, really fruitful time. And, and uh, so I don't know. I mean, the first record I ever bought would be like uh, something like, well, all the... All, all, all the um, I think maybe Gary Glitter was a first single, and then it moved on to just luck. Luck had it that uh, all the all the punk stuff really, and I was more Sex Pistols than the Clash. You had to choose your side, <laughs> yes. but I loved the Clash as well. But I really was Sex Pistols, and then through that, that's it. Just lead it led on to so many things. Because I go to this record store and it'd be like, you know, I really like this this record, and they'd be like. We'll try this, and they'd introduce me to the Doors, Neil Young, and uh, Velvet Underground, and you know they gave me really good schooling in that. And so every week I'd go and get a different song, different single, and um, it was just sort of part of it. And, and at that point, what's weird is I never thought that I could ever <clears throat> do it myself, you know, because I didn't really have anyone to show me. So I just sort of it kept being this this dream, you know. Well, not this dream, this escape. And uh, and then when I was about fourteen. My sister's boyfriend gave me a bass, and he was in this punk band. So 
I used to go and watch them rehearse. That, that, um, maybe they were terrible, maybe they weren't, but I thought it was really exciting. And I really like, I like the stinky stink of the rehearsal rooms and the down and out, decrepit people working there that like all tattoos and, and grey beards and roll ups and misery. And somehow I really liked all that. That's the story of my life. Well, it's worked out quite well. Uh, of course, a great career. We're getting ready for a new record. The Mind Plays Tricks on You is out real soon. And Gavin Rossdale and Bush here under the Southern Stars 2020. We're about to get the wrap-up, mate. But a pleasure to chat to you again and look forward to seeing you back in the country next year. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it myself.